0: Following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network.
1: Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive. Welcome to Flash, Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is minute 93 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you this evening? Brad, I'm having a blast of a time. I'm in the middle of a real melee, and I'm
0: loving every minute of it.
1: But not as much as Voltan. Voltan, just, Voltan loves everything more than we do. That's true. That's true. But uh, I'll tell you what—you gotta love. We, we gotta love that we have a great guest this week. Who's joining us the, for 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 ninety-three to ninety-five?
0: Joining us this week, everybody, editor and publisher of FilmBuffOnline.com, and the co-host of his own podcast, The Big Picture Podcast. Welcome to the Flash Gordon Minute Studios, Rich Trees.
2: Thank you, guys. It feels like the last thirty-eight years of my life has been leading up to this moment.
1: <laughs> we know the feeling. <laughs> we didn't realize we were just fulfilling a need that nobody knew they had. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> this
2: this is a movie I've been watching literally since uh, I was 11 years old, because I was 11 when it came out. And, um, you know, something I've always gone back to over and over and over again over the years through various iterations of home video and i just keep finding new stuff in there to to enjoy different things different i get different takes on it as the years go on and it's just one of those movies that i just love and keep going back to so i'm i'm excited to talk about it even if it's just for three minutes of it
1: well yeah but what three minutes you have here oh yeah you get some great voltan stuff and it's everybody everybody loves voltan and uh there's so much to talk about with this battle because <laughs> – and we're going to get into it. I'm going to hit but just like, Voltan, you've been waiting for him to really, you know, show his stuff. And it turns out he's just sort of an awkward guy with guys running at him slowly, him tomahawk-chopping everybody. <laughs>
2: Brian Blessed seems to be having the time of his life here, and, and Boltan certainly seems to be enjoying himself, too, which makes me think he might be a little bit of a sociopath.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah we established that a while ago back on uh, uh, when they're in Mongo City, and, and we, we discussed how the fact that in their great hall they have a, a disc whose sole purpose is clearly to just make people fight on it to the death, and that's their main source of entertainment.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. It's sure. definitely a society that could use funny cat videos.
2: <laughs> oh, you think the bird people would really like the funny cat videos?
1: Oh, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. All right. <laughs> All right, Eric. So, so walk us through. We got a big minute here. So walk is, what happens in minute 93? Yeah, well, as, as
0: you guys have hinted at, we get another great minute of action. We're, we're still in the big battle on War Rocket Ajax. Uh, and, uh, Voltan arrives onto, uh, the wing there, joining his, his fellow Hawkman in the battle, and as he, as he sticks his axe into the Mongori soldier, uh, he makes a noise, and I can't quite tell if he's going, da, Like, just, just, you know, a big grunt of... You know, war noise or if he's actually saying die, because, you know, obviously when he was screaming dive last week, uh, we commented on how it sounds. So almost like he was saying die. Is he actually saying die here or is, he, is it just a just a is it just a grunt of adrenaline?
1: That's an excellent question. Uh, Rich, what's your what's your take on it?
2: I pretty much always took it as just a die. You know, he's just, he's in there, he's having fun, he's telling people what to do, he's telling his soldiers to <laughs> dive, he's telling the enemy, you're gonna die now. Uh, he's, he's, he's just going for it. I'm sure there's a lot of other grunting and screaming and articulations that he's making along the way.
1: Yeah, I, it, it's a tough call it Could go either way. He could really be grunting and screaming just like Sylvester Stallone in an 80s action movie. He's like, hey, uh, but, uh, oh, hey, but.
0: like over the top.
1: Oh, jeez, yeah. Was that the movie or was that Stallone's acting style? (laughs) That's a good one. That's good. I remember, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There was an action movie where the whole thing was, it was sort of late, later career Stallone. When he was still trying to do action movies, but nobody went to him anymore. Where the whole plot was he was uh, like a demolitions guy who got stuck in a uh, tunnel that was partially caved in. Every move, and it was weird for an action movie, it was weird for a Stallone action movie, because he wasn't actually beating people up, he was just more, like, leading people around. But because it was still a Stallone movie, he had to, like, make everything sound like action, so there he was, like, he had to light up a torch and throw it to make an explosion happen, and he was like, huh, and then, huh! Like, he still had to do the action grunts, even though he was just, like, lighting a flare. Was that Daylight? Yes, very good. Daylight, Thanks. thank you. That was, I was—I probably haven't seen that since it came out. Uh, not one of the um, more memorable entries in the uh, Stallone IMDb. Uh, He—he's actually made a lot more movies than anyone will And you only re- you will of the Stallone movies. What do you remember? You remember Rocky? You remember Rambo? Cobra? Stopper. My mom will shoot. <laughs> quick, quick bit of trivia. Cobra the property was originally uh was originally supposed to be another movie uh and it it's a movie that turned, got turned into a very uh, successful property as well uh it, and they had had to change the name and get a very different actor to star in it so uh, what, what movie was uh, cobretti uh, supposed to be originally
0: uh i do know that it was going to be a sequel correct or was something else was a sequel? Um, maybe I'm mixing up my Hollywood stories. Um, uh, I can't think of it.
2: I should know this, and I'm drawing a blank. So I'm just gonna
1: take a wild stab in the dark and say Dirty Harry. Not not a bad uh, not a bad call. No, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, okay. So yeah, there was a, like a property that was like. Basic basically got morphed and stalonized, and they they changed the name of uh, Foley to Cabretti, and then they end up making Beverly Hills Cop. There's so many weird things like that. Uh, like Die Hard was a remake of uh, a book that had already been turned into a uh, Frank Sinatra film.
2: Yeah, Tony Rome. Right, right. The character. I I every now and then I try to do like one of those thought exercises where it's like Sinatra as John McClane. And no, it doesn't work.
1: No. no. We're not doing Sinatra uh, t- to McLean minute. Uh, <laughs> although, you know, I'd be interested in that. I got a machine gun now too, ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about this weird action sequence because, and we've sort of danced around this before, where Brian Blesser does such a great job, and he's a wonderful physical actor, but it can't be easy to do action stuff in that getup. Oh, God, no. Your balance is going to be thrown off. You're so top-heavy, and then you're on sort of uneven terrain because he's on the wing, quote-unquote, you know, the wing of this spaceship, and they're trying to convey movement. I mean, Eric, how would you describe the big uh, Voltan action scene?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned last week that he brought an axe to a gunfight. And after he does stab that guy that he says either die or die on, the axe is left on the ground next to him, and he's just, he starts using his fists. So he's, he's literally bonking guys on the head like whack-a-mole, and and he's <laughs> winning. I mean,
1: how is he not shot? Not shot, or, and they just sort of – and they're not even running fast. They just sort of saunter up to him, and they just you know, – Elk combines him. You're, you're getting that great sound effect that we heard earlier in the movie when he whacked uh, d- during the football extravaganza when he was uh h- h- hitting the guys the, uh, on top of the that just, just great bong sound and it's very cool and he's laughing and it's fun and, and you definitely are satisfied but it's not a good action scene it's just big barrel chested brian blessed you know laughing while he you know like a childlike fight or three stooges just whacking people on the head. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And not only that, but the soldier he stabbed actually did not die. If you look closely, he's, he's getting back up and he's one of the guys that gets a bunk on the head.
1: Ridiculous. So much fun. True. What,
2: What I like about this sequence is for, you know, for about four minutes, this science fiction adventure movie turns flat out into a pirate movie. It's basically, you know, an Errol Flynn, Captain Blood movie where they're, you know, the pirates are attacking the British Navy ship or whatever. And the British Navy is like, okay, get ready to repel borders. You know, they're firing broadside cannon fire at the pirates, but the pirates are coming in, they're swarming in, they're swarming through the ship, taking things over, you know, killing all the bad guys. It, it really is just a pirate movie for about four minutes. And that's what I love about the whole sequence. It just gets... It's like... It's an old-fashioned swashbuckler, which is really what Flash
1: Gordon's all about.
0: And yet, interestingly, the sequence does not feature the closest uh, relative to the swashbuckling Prince
1: Baron. True. No. yeah. This would have been a great Prince Baron scene. I'd be interested to see this just as sort of a little social experiment. And you're right. It does definitely have that um, pirate movie feel. And I can... I can hear in my head pirate music like pirate movie music you know it's <laughs> something with a lot of like, like like a good win win section that playing instead of queen and don't get me wrong this is some great queen music that we're getting oh god yeah but mm-hmm. uh, it'd just be fun to see an alternative take with that more stereotypical pirate movie music and to really drive home th- that idea. It's like, oh, this is definitely a swashbuckling scene.
2: A good old-fashioned Eric Korngold score, score or something like that.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, somebody should do that. One of our listeners. Somebody be creative. I- I- I'd be interested to hear that. That would be fun. Now one other thing I have to call I'm just I'm just picking on poor Brian but not even picking on Brian Blessed just the whole scene uh, the the choreography of this it looks like at one point he has he switched to axe for like what is he even carrying it looks like a laser cannon or something but he's not shooting anybody he just sort of shoves another guy back he doesn't even <laughs> shove
0: him he never actually makes contact the guy's just so scared that he he falls off and. We get a great shot of the Mongori soldier falling into oblivion like the Hawkman from last week. Always mm-hmm. love that shot of just the stiff body just floating away.
1: Yes, yeah, sp- spinning around <laughs> It is so great. It's so great. Have they ever really done
2: like a fall in any movie where you're looking down and the person's falling away from the camera? Has it ever uh, really looked good? The Die Hard one looks good at the end. Okay. Oh. Okay, yeah, but I, that might be because they do it in a bit in slow motion. Yeah, that's true. But every time they go to that kind of a shot and that kind of an effect, invariably I'm just sitting there wincing just a little bit going, ugh, that does not look good.
1: <laughs> no, it, it can really take you out of movies. I'm, um, I think one of the more famous examples of that is RoboCop, which was this great, gritty movie where they were using a, pr- a lot of practical effects and the squibs and just – And then at the very end, they throw uh, the the bad guy out the window, and I don't know what the hell they did. His arms looked like they were stretched out an extra five feet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, It's my favorite movie of all time, but in The Empire Strikes Back, when Luke falls uh, after the Battle of Vader, uh, it just really doesn't look that great.
2: Oh, and he gets sucked into the, uh, the little wind... Yeah, when he, when he
0: first lets go. You know, Vader says, "You know, come with me." It's the only way, and he lets go, mm-hmm. and then he's he's first falling in the gigantic uh, area they've been fighting in. It's it's you know <laughs> it, it does not look that good.
2: Yeah, and and you know, and yet you have Star Wars fans complaining that the whole uh, Leia in space thing from Last Jedi looks bad. <laughs> like, guys, go back to Empire if you want if you want a bad effect.
1: Whenever there's a new version of a movie that you love, or a new iteration, or a, a, a thirty year later sequel. Uh, and often there's problems with them, but it's sometimes there's problems with those movies that are actually in the original movies that you love. And best example, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And I'm not saying that that was a good movie. You
2: better not. No.
1: <laughs> However, some of the complaints that they had about that movie, if you actually are actually were in the original Indiana Jones, we were in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, obviously, they didn't have a Shia LaBeouf problem. But they would talk about how ridiculous the end was. It's like, you know, some of the things that people would complain about that were wrong with the end where Indy, Indy wasn't really in control of the situation and it was just sort of along for the ride. It's like, that's exactly what happened at the end of Raiders. His, his solution was just sort of to, for some reason, close his eyes. Again, I am not defending Crystal Skull, although I liked it about 15% more than the average f- uh, fan. But I still realize it was the weakest of the movies.
2: I enjoyed Karen Allen in it. I thought her return was, you know, she just stepped right back into that role like she had never stopped being Marion.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great, and she's wonderful, and uh, it was a return that was prob- that was past due. It would have been wonderful if they would have had her in other of the movies, but yeah. But, th- but that's for the Indiana Jones Minute guys to dissect, which I'm sure they've already done many times.
0: Well, we talked a lot last week about uh, uh, and why Flash uh, feels so drawn to help him out. Uh, I have a bigger question, though. When we last saw Biro, he was hanging on with his Hawkman helmet on, and now we cut to him, and his helmet's missing. So the dude's been shot, he's got to detonate this bomb, uh, but I guess he took time to take off his helmet and throw it away.
1: There are so many ridiculous things with Biro in this minute first flash is like why are you? you know he's showing his concern and Biro's like he just winged me he's like then why are you laying down <laughs>
2: and why I- have you not
0: blown up the bomb either if he just winged
2: you why does flash need to press the button i, I think bureau was just trying to downplay it he's like don't worry about me i'm fine don't worry they just winged me you get back to you know kicking everybody else's behind and he might have been just trying to get flash to get back into the fight instead of worrying about him because he's an old soldier and he knows at some point he's probably going to die on the battlefield. And he pretty much thought, well, maybe this is it.
1: That That's all well and good, except for Biro does have a pretty big responsibility in this battle. It, it, it's not just, you know, he's winged, but he can't push the button to blow up to set off the explosive. That really needs to happen.
0: Let, let's talk about True. that mine here. What purpose does this mine serve? So... It blows a hole in the hull for them to get in, but they could also just go in during any of the bunch of doors that were opened to let the soldiers come out to shoot at them. So what what exactly is the purpose of this mine?
2: Those doors could have been, you know, once the soldiers come out, closed automatically, locked or something like that. Yeah. They're, they're making their own door that, you know, can't be uh, shut on them.
0: I don't know. The soldiers thought. seem to still be coming out. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, the logic's a little thin. It really is just a thing. Is it's cool to have? It, probably just twofold. It's nice to have a nice ex, a big explosion. Yeah, it, it's story the of the. Yeah, it's all story malarkey, but it, it doesn't hold up fantastic. Uh, again, it's just giving it another chance to show how much cooler Flash is than everybody else on the planet because he has to show concern for Biro.
2: <laughs> it, to, to the point that when when the mind does go off. Flash basically, you know, throws himself over Biro to avoid any, you know, shrapnel and stuff flying around. You know, he's he's like, this guy's hurt. I'm gonna protect him when this thing goes off. Which I was like, that's just kind of Flash being self-sacrificing. The way he's gonna self-sacrifice himself with flying Ajax into the um, electrical field in a couple of
1: minutes. Eric, you're completely all right. This scene it, it it doesn't hold up fantastic sense. It's just, hey, we need to show again how Flash is it. Flash is just a nice guy. It's, that's really his superpower. It
0: mm-hmm. also gives us a, another great Voltan moment because I've always loved his expression uh, yes. as the mind blows up, this perverse grin with the eyes looking up and this really wicked laugh as the explosion goes off. It, it, yet another great Brian Blessed moment.
2: That's right here in my uh, my nose here. I said yep. the cut back to Voltan when his eyes are open. And he's grinning maniacally.
1: <laughs> oh, and he's got some crazy eyes. He has got some crazy eyes. Oh, I know.
0: And there's a there's a cool uh, um, behind the scenes tidbit here that Brian Blessed uh, uh, I heard him once give in an interview that during this battle he was making the gun sounds with the gun. He was going like you know pew 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 pew, and they had it you know they had to reset up and reshoot the scene because like uh, Brian you you can't that while we're filming. Really? Yeah.
2: I've heard that about a couple of different people like on shoot. I think maybe on the set of one of the recent
1: Star Wars movies. Yeah, Laura Laura
0: Dern did it in um, Last Jedi.
1: And I know Chris Pratt did it for uh, Guardians. And, And and who's to say? I would probably do the exact same thing in any one of their <laughs> shoes. It must be so disappointing when you get on set and you have the, you know, the ray gun, and then you, pull the first time you pull the trigger, and there's no sound. It's like, what? What? do you mean? What do you mean they added po- in post? If
0: if you look closely at, at at there's a very specific shot where Laura Dern does shoot in The Last Jedi, um, and you actually can see her lips moving. They actually left in her lips moving, doing. <laughs> the
1: they might not, they might even have, she might even be able to hear it, except for uh, you probably can't hear anything over the sound of Dave Palace complaining about the movie wherever you are. If the folks aren't familiar, Dave Pallas is a wonderful friend of this show and uh, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, and he is uh, just violently angry about uh, Last Jedi. One of my funniest moments in podcasting was just listening to Dave lose his mind about that movie, and especially Laura Dern's character. Wow, Really? Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah.
2: I don't know. Maybe because I went into it as a Ryan Johnson fan, you know, I was like, this is not going to be your typical Star Wars movie, so I'm kind of ready for that. And so it didn't throw me for a loop as it seems to have thrown some folks.
1: It's one of those weird things where every. Uh, I, I talked with him and I talked with someone else who was a fan of the movie, and they each made their cases. The, each of their cases were completely right. Every complaint Dave had was right on. And then uh, every positive thing said by the other people in the panel was dead on. It's like it just really depends if you, for whatever reason, decide to like it, then you love all the cool stuff and you dismiss all the bad stuff. If you decide to hate it, you're going to you know, agree with all the bad stuff and ignore all the good stuff. It's just that movie.
2: Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's one of those weird movies where you know just it splits folks right down the middle
1: obviously but you can't split down the middle is flash gordon you just gotta love this thing
2: i distrust anybody who doesn't love this <laughs> <movie>.
0: <laughs>
1: oh fantastic
0: uh i do not have anything else for this minute specifically but i do have two little administrative tidbits i want to throw out there one of them is, my memory uh, was only slightly faulty earlier in this episode. The movie I was thinking of, the, when you asked about what Cobra had been developed as, and I thought it was supposed to be a sequel or something like that, I was thinking of that Masters of the Universe was supposed to have a sequel, and that morphed into the movie Cyborg.
1: Yes. First off, just the idea that they could look at anything involving that movie, and it's like, oh yeah, there's definitely going to be a second one of these. <laughs>
2: Golan Globus had a lot of uh, ambition and maybe not the talent to realize it all.
1: Yeah, it was uh, a boy, that, the cyborg, uh, the people aren't familiar, that was early Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Just really bad. Really, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not that there's a period of Jean Claude Van Damme that didn't uh, have Funnel, Funnily enough, um, I
2: remember going to see this all kind of somehow relates i went to see um robocop when it came out in the theaters with a friend of mine uh maura and we were sitting there watching the trailers and the trailer for masters of the universe came up and i do remember both of us kind of just turning to each other and going franklangella is skeletor it was just like one of those we couldn't believe we were hearing and seeing that of all and, things.
0: And little did you know that that was probably the least of that movie's problems.
2: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> true.
1: Now you're like, yeah, yeah, Frank Lalo's Skeletor. That, that, that's that's. He was fine.
0: probably the best part of the movie.
2: <laughs> and doesn't his character and doesn't Skeletor fall to his doom in that too?
0: Uh, I believe he does.
1: Okay. Boiler alert, everybody. And uh, like Ming, y- you sort of have a post credit. Oh no, he's actually still alive. Uh, to, to hint at a sequel that just won't happen. It's all connected. So, uh, Eric, uh, did you say you had another administrative uh, note?
0: Yes, we were corrected on something we said last week when we had uh, the Robinson brothers from The Godfather Minute on. Uh, someone, and it might have even been me, suggested that Live and Let Die was the first Bond theme sung by a man. However, mm. oh, in, pr- in promoting this show... In the Godfather's uh, fan club on Facebook, Fredo Corleone's Mickey Mouse Nightclub, uh, e- uh, eagle-eyed and eagle-eared, Stuart Watson corrected us and said, actually, Tom Jones sung the theme to Thunderball, and that was before Live and Let Die.
2: Um, actually, I would say whoever sang the Three Blind Mice song at the beginning of Dr. No was also a man. I can't remember the singer's name right now, but hey, I have a friend who is a diehard Bond fan, and if... He listens to this, and I don't
1: pipe up. I'm going to get gonna in trouble. So. <laughs> so I got you covered, Tom. Tom Jones. Boy, Tom Jones going off track, as we tend to do. It's a weird career because he, he goes through these phases where everyone thinks he's terrible, and then everyone thinks he's awesome. And I think he's on an awesome swing. Uh, him and Neil Diamond. I, I appreciate uh, some Tom Jones. I don't think too too ironically.
2: I, I enjoy Tom Jones. The Neil Diamond, I'm a little I, – I can appreciate it, you know kind of like from a musical standpoint. Yes, he's got a really good voice, and those are some great orchestrations and well-written songs. Not quite my cup of tea. I, and- uh, I Yeah,
0: I cannot stand Neil Diamond. Uh, I hate the song Sweet Caroline. I hate how everyone sings along with the... Oh, the, yeah, that is ...interjection, harmful. bump, bump, bums, and all that stuff. Uh, Tom Jones, to me, more than a singer, he's just that guy that's always got, you know, his shirt half undone and sweaty on his album covers.
2: <laughs> well, let me ask you this about um, Neil Diamond. Do you... How do you where do you fall on Heartlight? His song basically about E. T. Do you like it? Do you not
0: like it? I I don't even know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Turn on your heart light. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay,
0: gonna, uh yeah, whatever. I I he's he's <laughs> only got one song I like. I like the song America. That's it coming to America. Okay. That's it. Oh, yeah? I, there's nothing else by him he's ever done I like.
1: Yeah, I'm um I'm fine with that song. And is anybody who's been listening to the show not long? No, Long enough. No, I was, I like some cheese. I I do like a silly cheesy song, but uh, that one just never. uh eh, just just sort of never made it in, in into my. uh eh, that one never worked its way into my iPod. I don't think my iPod has any Neil Diamond or Tom. Uh, it has some Tom Jones. No Neil Diamond. Uh, and I'm with you with the uh, the Sweet Caroline thing. It gets a little much, especially when it's like a stadium filled with people. It's like, ah, eh, you bunch of... cannot stand it.
2: I've always been resistant to the idea of pop stars singing songs about movies after the movie became big and famous. For some reason, it just—I don't—it just always kind of turns me off and feels like pandering.
0: The only uh, person that I think can pull that off is Weird Al.
2: Oh yeah, definitely Weird Al, or maybe the Ramones.
1: Are we talking Spider Man?
2: With no Pinhead. Okay. Okay. But then again, was was uh, Freaks ever a big hit movie? No.
1: No. <laughs> I just, uh, I love the Ramones did a great version of this, uh, the cartoon Spider-Man theme song, which was just a theme song made for them.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. I've, I've heard, like, so many different versions of that Spider-Man theme song. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, jeepers. Uh, the Canadian band Moxie Fruvis did a version that they would do live in concert a cappella that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I've heard, like, marching bands do it. It's It's just a heck of a catchy tune.
1: Uh, Rich, this has been a fantastic first minute. Uh, please plug your pluggables. Okay, my pluggables are uh, Film Buff Online, where we
2: try to uh, deliver some news with uh, commentary and a bit of historical context when we can get that in there. Um, we are updating usually just about every day, a couple of times a day, depending on what kind of news is breaking. Um, coming up next week, we'll be doing all of our New York Comic Con coverage for uh, the various film panels and events that are happening there. And also uh, my podcast that I do with my very good friend, Natasha Bogutsky, it's called the big picture podcast. And it's a little bit of news commentary, some review discussion of trailers. Uh, Sometimes we'll review a new film. Sometimes we'll take a look back at an old film. Like recently we talked about clerks and um, Pal and Pressburger film, the red shoes. Uh, So, Just those two titles should give you an idea of uh, the kind of uh, film span that we cover there. (laughs) And um, that can be found at BigPicturePod.com.
1: Very cool. Recommend everyone check it out. Uh, You're talking about uh, reviewing trailers. What what have your thoughts been of the Captain Marvel trailer that just came out a week or so ago?
2: I liked it. It's a nice, uh, tasty tease of what they have in store for that movie. Uh, I'm excited to see the 90s or at least how the 90s looked in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. See if it matches up to my memory of the 90s. It's not like the, oh, my God, I just saw the Incredible Hulk trailer. You know, that that feeling I had like 10 years ago when the MCU was starting. You know, it's like, oh, okay, it's another MCU movie. Good. You know, it looks consistent with everything we've seen before. Oh, cool, scrolls. You know, I'm excited for that.
1: I'm looking forward to the movie. I, I was a little underwhelmed because it just seemed like a, a – a trailer that just checked all the boxes it wasn't anything with a big left turn or i thought that was really fun and i love the trailers for guardians of the galaxy possibly because they just were able to use some really cool music that sort of sh- surprised you but uh, it, i'm still looking forward to the movie uh, and i thought it definitely wasn't a bad trailer i just wasn't not completely knocked out by it
2: yeah it was, it was serviceable
1: you got the job done uh, speaking of getting the job done Eric, uh, w- where can people find out more about us getting our job done? Oh, that was such a reach. <laughs> what was <laughs> that? would you just whisper? <laughs> that was such a reach.
0: Oh. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we get the job done on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. We get the job done on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. And we try to get the job done on email, Flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com.
1: I try so hard, and sometimes these segues work real well, and sometimes it's like, oh, I just whew, just 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 a swing and a miss.
0: Brad, no one's paying us. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, so uh, we always uh, love to get our ratings, reviews, and iTunes. More people that uh, rate and review us, the more uh, visibility we get. Uh, the more people can join our fun, and uh, you know, Eric, this has been a fun first minute. And uh, you know, usually I complain. I have my complaints, and I have my worries and my concerns. I'll tell you what. I'm feeling fantastic. Uh, We have a great guest. We're in some great minutes, and we're getting so close to the end of this movie and uh, this just adventure we've had. Uh, I'm feeling great, but our listener, Susan Hill, she has a worry. Oh, our friend Susan
0: from from the previously mentioned Facebook uh, page.
1: Yeah, Susan, she's amazing. She uh, gives us great feedback and great input on our Facebook page, and she said, and I'm going to just quote here, People in her office keep putting the kettle on without closing the lid all the way, which means the pressure doesn't build up. There's no auto shut off and and she's worried she's going to die in a huge office fire and she wants to know who is going to save her.
0: Oh, well, listen, if you're worried about your tea or your coffee brewing, um, which uh, you better hope. I'm not in your office if it is coffee because the smell of coffee literally makes me physically ill. Uh, so if you're going to explode, if your your tea's not whistling, if you're going to vomit from smells that you think are gross that the rest of the world likes, don't worry about it, Susan. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow
1: us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.